Hey guys, it's Matt. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that we talked about the Sony hack and and uh, the interview and everything. Obviously, this is a sprawling, huge thing that's going on, and uh, we're not at all the uh, the authorities on it or anything. So I'm, and this this is something that's that's very big right now, and it's something that's ongoing and that's going to have probably far-reaching implications for uh, the movie industry. Um, right now um, and that's something that obviously we love and, and it's something that's important to you too if you're listening to this so I just wanted to say that that I I encourage you to research and, and look up everything that's going on with it because like I said it's a big uh, big thing that's happening um, so yeah and, and I'll, the Slash Filmcast uh, did a bonus episode devoted to it that they just released uh, like yesterday at the time of this release of this episode. Um, so just check that out and, and then go from there. Cause, and I'll put links in the show notes and everything. And it's, it's uh, yeah. And, and, you know, email us and let us know what you think about all that. So uh, without further ado, here is our last full episode of 2014. We'll be back next week with a bonus episode uh, about friends. And then at the beginning of the year, we'll have a 2014 in review episode. And plus a lot of cool stuff for 2015. Uh, ahead of us so thank you for listening again and hope you enjoyed the episode bye this is matt hurt at obsessive viewer on twitter this is tiny at obsessive tiny on twitter and this is mike at i am mike white on twitter and this is obsessiveviewer.com's the obsessive viewer podcast Uh, welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a spe- specific topic via genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. And despite that uh, that um, description, this week we're actually doing a, a f- informal conversation episode. It, it's We call it Extended Potpourri. Potpourri is the section of the podcast where we talk about pretty much anything we want, movie or TV related, anything that we're into, anything that we're looking forward to. Anything we want as long as it smells good, and this episode is just a full-on potpourri episode. So we don't have a topic, and... Uh, to be honest, it's our excuse to just catch up with each other. Pretty much, and uh, and it couldn't come at a better time because we're here at the end. Like, this is the last, like, full-blown episode that we're going to have for the for the year, except for one bonus episode we're going to have uh, next week. And this, uh, I, like, I'm using it as an excuse to just basically talk about as much as much of the stuff that I've been watching the past uh, here in the year of, yeah, well here in the last couple months that I haven't gotten it, that's kind of fallen through the tr- cracks, I guess. Um, yeah. Sounds so, good. Yeah. Um, I, I have an anecdote before we get started though. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've switched shifts. Uh, like if longtime listeners will know that uh, I used to work nights and now I work day shift. Um, and since switching shifts, I've had less time to listen to podcasts. So in order to increase my podcast consumption, I've been listening to, to a lot of shows at 1.6 times speed using uh, Pocket Casts app, um, which if you're on Android, that's like a really good app. Um, but anyway, so for pure uh, 
S's and G's, I decided to listen to one of our episodes at half speed, and it was hilarious. <laughs> like which episode? Um, it was uh O O V sixty six. Uh, it was another extended potpourri actually, the one where we talked about uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and uh, uh a couple other movies, but. Just listening to it was so hysterical, and the bad part was I was on my lunch break at work, and not to get into too much detail, but I I started laughing like so hard, and all I could think was I hope no one else is in this bathroom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you were eating your lunch in the bathroom. I it was after lunch, and I had time to kill, so I you know took my took the rest of my break on the can. Hmm. Gotcha. So being that this is extended potpourri, I just wanted to kind of just go kind of around around the table and discuss topics and stuff. And, and the first one I wanted to bring up um, actually is uh, kind of a kind of a big big news news piece that that broke. Um, kind of funny. Last week when we recorded, this happened the day after we recorded. So I'm editing the podcast, and I'm like, why can't this have happened like yesterday? But I'm talking about the uh-huh. the whole Sony hack. And Sony canceling um, the release of the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have you guys been keeping up with the news about this? I have not. Yeah, uh, a little bit. I-, I mean, to a point you can't help it, but uh, right. at first I specifically tried not to. Really? Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. It's, it's just shocking. It's it's shocking and embarrassing, really. It, and I kind of have right. a rudimentary timeline for it. Um Basically, it's, it started with, with emails from Sony, like hackers hacked into Sony's servers and stuff, mm-hmm. and they, they obtained I – I think they said it was like 10 terabytes worth of data, mm-hmm. uh, including movies, scripts, um, emails, and a lot of those emails got you know leaked. And there was a lot of like really horrible things in them, like uh, – the president of Sony, Amy Pascal, or I don't know if she's the president, or but she and uh, uh, Paul Rudin, uh, one of the one of the big time producers over there, like they they had emails exchanging talking about how like sh- like she was going to m- meet with Obama, and and it said stuff like what what am I going to talk to him about? Uh, I guess I guess what he thought of Django and Twelve Years a Slave. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. and uh, calling like Angelina Jolie a spoiled brat and. Um, <laughs> calling, <laughs> I guess there was, there was one email where, uh, they called Adam Sandler an asshole. Uh, yeah. Heard about that one. Yeah. It was in response to his Netflix deal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also one of the, bi- one of the other shining examples was, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's, they, there was talk about the new 21 jump street movie being the, the next one being a crossover with men in black. Uh-huh. Oh, geez. So Yeah. Um, but then, so I, when, when all those emails came out, I thought it was just kind of funny. I mean, it was a big deal for them. I mean, they took a huge, huge hit off of it, but it was a big deal. And then I, th- I just thought like, well, it's kind of funny. There's an egg on their face and everything. But then the hackers told Sony to like, it, it turned out that they, that it was North Korea. Like it was people from North Korea had hacked into, hacked into it and, and gotten the stuff. And they told Sony, they were like, okay, cancel the release or we'll cancel the release of the interview that was supposed to be released on Christmas day. And we, or else we'll nine 11, some theaters. Right. So then like, then, then theaters started pulling out big chain theaters started pulling out and then Sony canceled it. And then, um, then after that, it's just been kind of a show from there. Um, yeah. Uh, Obama called it a mistake. Um, 
And then, uh, but but today Sony apparently announced that they're going to be they're going to distribute the movie, and it's going to likely come out via Crackle, their uh, their free streaming app. Hmm. Um, ah. But just my whole takeaway from all this is that Sony just, oh my god! Like the fact that they actually bulked to terrorist demands is just embarrassing, and it it just really puts a bad light on on us as a country mm-hmm. and uh actually gives some legitimacy to North Korea which has just been a like they're in the practice of leveling just you know they're not to be taken seriously in their threats like that they've done it in the past i believe um but yeah yeah so, so it's just depressing well, apparently they have the the ability to hack into a multi-billion dollar corporation. And, right, and I think that's you know, the fear, right. is that if they did this, what else are they capable of? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That That is true. Um, <laughs> but also, it's a, it's a corporation that was stupid enough to send racist emails about Obama on their, on their public servers. <laughs> so... I don't know what kind of infrastructure that Sony has. And granted, yes, it is a major corporation and all that stuff, and it, and it is a big deal like that. But it's also, I don't know, it just left a, a sour taste in my mouth that they they actually just pulled the release. And, it, and yeah, and like seeing some of the news, yeah, like like, and I guess the hacker said like, okay, well, we'll let you release it, but you need to make these these changes. And it's just like, yeah, ah, just left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I mean that's that's what's messed up is that they're shelving a what would probably be a huge movie. Yeah, I mean it's well, probably making money and it's it's been highly publicized up until this point. Um, that's what's shocking about it to mm-hmm. me. Uh, yeah, reading some comments online, um, like when they said. Um, when when they said that they would that they would nine eleven the theater, that they would nine eleven screening and stuff like that, like I think that was the actual vernacular that they used. But when they said that, like, I'm I'm not that excited about seeing the interview. Like it doesn't look mm-hmm. that good to me. But when I when I heard that, I was like, you know, I kind of want to see it now. I might actually go see it just to have it as like an anecdote. Like, oh yeah, this whole big thing happened and I saw it and you know mm-hmm. I'm alive. But <laughs> just kind of like just a, anecdotally see it and that that kind of makes me think that i wonder what all is in that ter- 10 terabytes of data because like they threatened to release it and everything and and sony pulled it which you've got to imagine that they should have been able to realize that this was huge huge promotion for them right like people would have seen that movie if it had been released on 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 the day, but they bulked at it because I kind of wonder what kind of information is in is in that that data. Yeah, there, and there's a lot of people saying that it's a conspiracy theory, and it's it's a it's or it's a conspiracy, mm-hmm. and it's a, a marketing ploy. Yeah, <laughs> like they're just gonna, they're gonna do all this, and then like Monday they're gonna announce, well, we're just gonna go ahead and release it on Christmas Day, so go out and see it. And just tons of people are just going to turn out. It, it would probably work. What's which is what just what's disturbing, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I think it's that's really the case. I I don't solely because they actually canceled the canceled the release. Maybe maybe yeah. I guess maybe it could have been, and it could still be that, and maybe it backfired when the theaters pulled pulled it from their screenings and stuff. Yeah, um, I I could see that, but 
I mean, it's 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 gone so far that I don't think that it's something that um, right. Yeah, I, I I might have thought that on the first day. Right, right. But not now. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, do you have anything to say about it? Uh, no, not anything new. Again, like I said, I've tried to I've tried to ignore it. Um, mm. I didn't want to see the movie initially, but kind of like you said, now I kind of do. <laughs> right. I thought it looked pretty funny. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the guys involved. I, I like Seth Rogen. And just the concept. Who, who the hell's made a movie like that? That's ridiculous, right. you know? Yeah. It's just funny. Yeah. Like, Obama, when, when he said that it was a mistake, I might actually put in the sound here. Uh, Sony's a corporation. It uh, you know, suffered significant damage. There were threats against its employees. Uh, I am sympathetic to... The concerns uh, that uh, they faced. Having said all that, yes, I think they made a mistake. We cannot have a society in which some dictator someplace can start imposing censorship here in the United States. Because if somebody is able to intimidate folks out of releasing a satirical movie, imagine what they start doing when they see a documentary that they don't like or news reports that they don't like. Um, or even worse, imagine if producers and distributors and others start engaging in self-censorship because they don't want to offend the sensibilities uh, of somebody whose sensibilities probably need to be offended. Um, so, uh, you know, that's not who we are. That's not what America's about. Um, again, I, I'm sympathetic that Sony, as a private company, was worried about liabilities and this and that and the other. I wish uh, they'd spoken to me first. Uh, I, w I would have told them, do not I'll get into uh, a pattern in which you're intimidated by these kinds of criminal attacks. They're imposing censor censorship on, on us. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's it's a precedent that didn't shouldn't have been set. Yeah. Um, and that's what just troubles me and embarrasses me about it. So should we change subjects? Yeah. All right, cool. Who wants to go next? I can. Uh, I, I've got something. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Or, or Tiny, did you want to? You can. No, go ahead. I watched A Christmas Story from start to finish for the first time in my whole entire life last night. Interesting. Oh, fudge. <laughs> Sorry. Well played. Yeah. Wow. For the first time? First time in my whole life. I Clearly, it's I've seen the whole thing in pieces, right? Because it's always on on Christmas Eve, and somebody always has it on. You can't not see it. Right. You can't not see it. Um, but I've avoided sitting down to watch the whole thing because I, I never really liked it. I never really liked anything I saw. Uh, and my opinion didn't really change all that much. It's, it's a weird, weird, weird movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't you know. Do you guys like that? it? <laughs> I love the movie. I may have talked about it last year. Like I'm pretty much in the same boat. Although I think I liked it a little less than you did, Mike. Actually. Oh um, really? Yeah, because I like I was just kind of, again, I, I kind of grew up with it, 
like playing it in passing. And uh, when I sat down to watch it uh, like a year or two ago, I don't even remember. I was just kind of like, okay, that was a movie. Yeah, I mean, like by then I'd already kind of cultivated my own Christmas movie um, repertoire or my, my own Christmas movie pantheon, I guess. So it, it, when I when I came to it, it wasn't really from a place of, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, or, or this is like an integral part of it. It's like this. It was almost like a retroactive, like kind of okay. This is important to you know the Christmas season, but I'm kind of out of the loop. Almost kind of similar to how I feel about Star Wars, to in a, mm. in a weird extent. Mm. Uh, mm. Tiny, you're you're a bigger fan of a Christmas story than, than big fan. Yeah, it's been a part of uh, family holiday tradition since I was a kid. Um, part of it was filmed in Indiana, right? Right. Yeah, I think it takes place in Indiana, or I think so, doesn't it, Mike? I don't, I I couldn't really tell. Parts huh. of it, like they give thanks to Cleveland, so like yeah, I, I knew Ohio. Some was of it's involved. Cleveland, mm-hmm. some of it's Ohio, but some of it, I don't know. I to be honest, like, I don't know. I feel like when they were downtown in in the scene, kind of earlier in the movie, early in the movie, I think I think they they were downtown or something or window shopping or something. I feel like that was supposed to be the circle downtown in Indianapolis, or maybe oh, really? I'm just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's, or maybe uh, they filmed it there. I don't know. I can't remember. Well, I'll be perfectly fine to never watch it again. I'm oh, really? the same way, honestly. Yeah. Huh. Did you think that the funny stuff was funny? <laughs> no, and I think that's oh, really? I think that's the big thing. It huh. was just weird. It was just weird. Uh, and so I'm sitting there with my, my in-laws, and everybody in the room is cracking up. And, I, and <laughs> Amanda turns to me and goes, do you not love this right now? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah. That would have been uh wow, that would have been that would have been so awkward, <laughs> I imagine. I really, oh, it wasn't bad. I mean, they yeah. know. They know me. Right, right. It wasn't that bad. That's really surprising because I just I don't know. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh it was actually A lot of people do. Yeah, We're the weirdos. Yeah, like yeah. I think Leonard Malton called it like he like uh, on his uh on his podcast, he was he was talking about it and he said that like he went on a tangent about how people like he hates the phrase like oh people talking about like instant classics or anything because it's such an ana- uh, anachron- uh, anachronistic term because mm-hmm. nothing can be an instant classic because what makes right. it a classic is time age right yeah and then he was but he was like when I saw a Christmas story though <laughs> it was like I had that feeling that it, this is going to be a classic huh. um so you know <laughs> different strokes yeah. oh uh, okay yeah that makes sense I was gonna say. Had the feeling that it was going to be a classic. Maybe that's what instant classic means that you think yeah. in the future it, it will be. Because when it came out, it wasn't. It wasn't very popular at all. Oh, yeah. I I haven't followed it enough to pay attention to hmm. how it was received. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and, and, and the whole instant classic thing, that's just uh, semantics. Uh, I think he just has a problem with just the phrasing. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I'm surprised. Yeah. It's a bummer. Sorry, Tiny. You guys are wrong. I'm kidding, man. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. So Christmas Vacation, you like that better, Mike? Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. I mean, that's that's the that's the measuring stick, and that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was nice. like, oh, boy, this is not Christmas <laughs> Vacation. Right. Yeah, I think Christmas Vacation is the better movie. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tiny, what, what do you got for us? Uh, I have something not Christmassy. Oh. It's not cheerful. Oh God! Um, but it's highly intriguing. Um, it's kind of a little double feature um, 
uh, double feature um, documentaries that I watched. They're both on Netflix Instant. Um, one is called Erasing Hate, and the other is called The Last White Knight. Hmm. And they both have to do with um, uh, white pride, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, like neo-Nazis, Ku Klux Klan type stuff. Merry yeah, Christmas, so everyone. Not, not the best. <laughs> <laughs> not the, the brightest topic. Um, <laughs> but Erasing Hate is about a man who was... Also, he's from Indiana, and he set up uh, chapters of, like, Aryan Brotherhoods in Indiana. Uh, also, well, just in the Midwest, really, he would drive to different states and set up different uh, like chapters. brotherhoods and chapters and stuff. Um, so he was he was deeply involved uh, with this lifestyle, and he expressed that through tattoos. Uh, he was actually a tattoo artist, and he had several huh. tattoos on his face that... Uh, you know, messaged that or, you know, sure. Um, and so <clears throat> he, he completely changed his ways and like kind of saw the light and like he, he got married and, and had some kids and stuff. And uh, he was, a, he was an alcoholic and his life was just terrible. And uh, he kind of just basically changed his opinion. Huh. And so in order to support his kids, you know, he wants to be able to get a job, which is hard. <laughs> it's hard to do when you have a swastika on your face. Um, <laughs> And so he actually appealed to the, um, so what is it, the, the Southern Poverty Law Center or something like that? I can't remember what it's called. Um, I, I, that organization, um, which is a civil rights organization. And they actually paid to have um, laser tattoo removal done on his face. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Cool. And basically it just follows his journey through, I mean, he has, like, he has to have like 25 sessions to have these things taken off. Oh, wow. And they show yeah. it and, man, it looks just ridiculously painful. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, man, it was just, it, the reason why it's called Erasing Hate is because the first tattoo he ever got was H-A-T-E on his knuckles, on his hand. Mm-hmm. And Jeez. and he his wife has always asked him to get that taken off, and he finally got it taken off of his hand. So that that's kind of that was one of the most integral tattoos for him to have removed. Um, huh. It is just a really a really touching story. Wow. Um, it, it's it's amazing the transformation this guy goes through. That's um, cool. Yeah, so that's a nice one. But then does it? Uh, sorry. Um, mm-hmm. Does it like go? Does he like give like? Does it go into his his mental state when when he was in the organization and stuff? Like, did, did yes. does it have like interviews and stuff with him? Uh, not while he was still right. Like but I that. mean, like, does he is he candid about about his involvement? Oh with yeah, it? oh definitely. Really? That, yeah, that sounds and that's called Erasing Hate, and it's on Netflix. Erasing Hate, and it's on Netflix. I'm gonna have to see that because like just in my head, like when when you say like, oh, he has hate tattooed on his knuckles, I'm like, mm-hmm. like okay, like just as a person, like he. Like, you know how, like, people that are, like, of a mindset, like, they think that they're right. It's mm-hmm. like, how can someone think that they're right but they have, like, hate? Like, it's yeah. it's not like saying, like, okay, well, you know, it, it's a weird perspective. It is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, one of, the, one of the tattoos that was most prominent was it was an arrow that pointed, it, like, it was a solid black arrow that pointed up over his eye onto his forehead, kind of. Huh. Kind of hard to explain, but um, it's a, it's some kind of symbolism for the Aryan Brotherhood. I can't remember what it means. Jeez. It's like upward mobility or something. I don't know. It was stupid. Huh. Some dumbass reasoning, but right. um, it, it was just really, it's it's a really incredible story. I highly recommend everybody see it. Yes. Um, but then it's the, like 
Yeah, the other one is uh, it's called The Last White Knight, and it's about um, this man. He's a Canadian filmmaker, and back in 1963, he um, traveled down to uh, Mississippi to uh, register black voters to vote. Um, oh. It was he's part of the civil the original civil rights movement, mm-hmm. um, and as he was going into the courthouse to turn in registration forms. Um, a member of the Ku Klux Klan confronted him on the steps of the courthouse and punched him um, and sent him to the hospital. And 40, 50 years later, he contacted him and they got together and had a conversation. And that's what this is about. It's about this, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, He also happens to be Jewish, which is, you know, another thing. (laughs) Um, But he he finds this guy who is still a member of the KKK. Wow. Um, He's very old. Actually, um, Gosh, I should have mentioned this. Uh, he's the son of the guy who who assassinated Meg, uh, Medgar Evers. Oh, yeah. Who is that? <laughs> wow, Matt. Yeah, and no, I I'm having a huge brain fart. Yeah. Um. Gosh, what's <laughs> who that? is that for the listeners who don't know who it is? <laughs> Medgar Evers was a highly a highly influential member of the civil rights movement in the uh, South. Yeah, totally. And uh, he was assassinated by. A member of the KKK. Um, huh. Gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, uh, Byron De La Beckwith is his name. Um, he uh, he shot him in his driveway in the back with a rifle, and he got away with it. Oh, they had wow. a trial and everything, and they acquitted him. Um, and this guy is his son. <laughs> Jeez. So he. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it just basically this this guy who was attacked by this member of the KKK contacted him wanted to get together and they 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 sort of end up friends at the end um they were both immensely respectful of one another but they this guy is still a member of the kkk still hates black people he pulls out a pistol and the interview is like i always carry a gun on me he doesn't he doesn't pull it on him and point it at him right but uh still it's just like it it kind of gives you some insight into this guy's mentality um wow but you know and at the end they're like i think I mean, it's like I, I consider you a friend. I mean, we we disagree. It's like as long as we're not talking, as long as we're not talking about this, right. we're kind of we kind of get along. But um, it's it's also just highly interesting and and fascinating. And the guy the guy who who directs the documentary he uh, he has conversations with some other people who were um, potential victims of this guy. Okay, um, who punched him? Um, gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, it's Dela Beckwith. I can't, or I don't know something. I don't know. Um, uh, he, like he apparently harassed some other people. He doesn't admit to like, he doesn't admit to a lot of it, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's thought that he was involved in some of these other kind of noteworthy, um, uh, events that happened during that whole conflict. Um, and so the guy talks to, to some of the victims of that and some other people. It's, it's just a really good documentary. Nice. So, and what was it called again? It's called, um, oh gosh, the last, uh, the last White Knight. The last White Knight. And it's on Netflix. Night. It's on Netflix. Instant. Interesting. Well, yeah. you know, maybe I'll check it out when I'm <laughs> drinking eggnog <laughs> on Christmas <laughs> with my family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah, they're not necessarily cheer. Well, the erasing hate is cheerful because the guy right. just totally makes a, a one eighty, and it's really. Uh, inspiring but right. um it's just not a cheerful subject right so, right 
Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's yep. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so then is it on me? Yep. Yeah. Cool. So recently I watched Mud. Um, nice. Finally. I mean, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Wow. Like it came out in what, 2012? Yep, and mm-hmm. it got a lot of buzz, and it was it was really really kind of popular. But I just never never got around to it. And it's funny because uh, two two movies from 2012 that I really really liked was uh, The Kings of Summer and The Way Way Back. Two two awesome coming of age movies about adolescence and, and social awkwardness stuff like that. Um, and this really really surprisingly fits into that category because um, it is a coming of age movie. It's about um, two kids who uh, two like kind of kids that live on like a like the, like a river. Like, is it in the bayou? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they kind of go to they go to this island uh, to find this this uh, this this boat in a tree, and they find Matthew McConaughey is is living in it. And he's, you know, kind of a mysterious character, and that's all I'll give away about it. But man, it's so good. It's it's so good at um showing showing Matthew McConaughey's uh mysteriousness. Like the character of Mud is very mysterious because the movie's from the point of view of the kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids are so great in it. Yeah, they are. Um and I just I, I loved how the various like um Ellis played by is it Ty Ty Sheridan is that the actor's that name right yeah the kid kid actor's name um, a big part of the movie of of Mud is uh, about Ellis's kind of introduction to to adult relationships or his his viewpoint of adult mm-hmm. relationships and his uh, and his teenage relationships also but I loved how the various adult relationships really shaped Ellis's outlook throughout the movie um, and it, it was just a really a really touching movie about growing up and uh and kind of learning about human relationships really also also Manny Mac without a shirt on um, <laughs> well, always yeah yeah before no, he because, got like scary skinny right 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 uh, which i i liked mud a lot more than Dallas Buyers Club hmm yeah me too yeah me too and it's a weird thing uh because <clears throat> I feel like message movies like Dallas Buyers Club, and by all means, it's a great movie and a great message, but I feel like uh, sometimes we think we're supposed to just like it more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Kind of, yeah, it it feels like that's one of the problems I had with it because I I didn't like Dallas Buyers Club that much. I thought it was just kind of overrated because I I felt like it it seems like the kind of movie that, you know, you're supposed to like it because it's a very strong message and it's very... You right. know, affirming, but I also just felt like it could have been handled better. Um, yeah. And that's why I didn't really connect to it. Hmm. Um, but yeah, Mud was good. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I need to, I need to buy it. <coughs> um, although I, I think I would, I think I would say that I enjoyed uh, The Kings of Summer just a little bit more. Um, have you talked about that one? I don't know if I remember that movie. I probably did. That's the that's the one. Yeah, he did a couple. Well, several episodes ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. He used to be fond of that one. Yeah. Um. That that's the one with uh the three kids who kind of go into go into the woods and like they build their own house and it's like uh they're kind of kings of summer. <laughs> no, but it's it's uh one of, one of the kids is in love with with a a, a friend and that was one of the big parts of it for me because like his friend like 
I don't want to spoil it, but it's a very, very poignant kind of coming of age movie and, and mm. depiction of adolescent relationships, much like Mud is, but but it's more of a focal point in Kings of Summer, and I think that's why I enjoyed Kings of Summer more. Okay, um, I have no recollection of that. Definitely, you yeah, check it out. Okay, it's, it's really good. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, I have it on DVD if you want to borrow it. Okay, uh, yeah, and Ty just quickly, Ty Sheridan, who played the the lead basically in Mud, right? Um, he was also he also gave a very good performance in uh, the movie Joe, with um, um, uh, Nicholas Cage playing the lead. Oh, um, which Nicholas Cage was good as well. Um, oh. but um, yeah, he Ty Sheridan was really good in that. Kind of a similar character, um, sort of abused and and just not really. Uh, Exposed to some things he probably shouldn't have been exposed to. Um, okay. So he's a, he's just a, a good actor, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Sweet. I believe Mike is next. Yep. Uh, I guess I could start by talking about The Hobbit Episode 3, Return of the Five Armies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we, both, we, I, we all three saw it, so let's dig into it. We did, it. yeah. So this this hopefully this will be robust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I actually liked it. I, I've I've gone on record as saying that I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan and I've tried very very hard to get into it uh, and I even talked to a lot of my friends who are who are really big fantasy fans and Lord of the Ring fans and um, they're, they're kind of of the mind that Lord of the Rings and Peter Jackson can do no wrong and I think he's done plenty wrong I, I think the <laughs> movies are kind of boring um, uh, especially the first two Hobbit movies I uh, well the second one was, was not fun at all um but this third one, I really enjoyed it a lot. I I wish there was more Smaug. It's no spoiler to say that he dies about twenty minutes in. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're if you if you're any fan at all, you know that. If you're any fan at all, you've already seen it. Yeah, but, and uh, if if you know anything about basic storytelling, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so it it was. I mean, there are several missteps. It's it it didn't. I mean, it it won't make my end of the year list at all. But. Uh, I was impressed with it for a change. I, I finally enjoyed one. Interesting. Did you happen to read my article, which you can, or my review of it, which you can find at obsessiveviewer.com? I can't in the say show that notes? I did yet. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, Tiny, what do you think of it? Or Mike, did you have more to say about it? No, you can go ahead. Okay. Tiny? Um, yeah, I liked it as well. I thought it was uh, one of the better entries in the, the uh, well, probably the best one of the trilogy. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I liked. I don't know. I think the first one, the simplicity of the first one, was a little more enjoyable, maybe. But I just, uh, you know, we were talking about it as we left. Me and Matt saw it together, um, and uh, I, I just, I, I think Peter Jackson is the best in the business at doing like ancient battle scenes like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't get any better than that. I, I love his his ability to demonstrate the scale of those battles and mm-hmm. um and the aerial shots and just the action uh is just ridiculously satisfying and i love that stuff but um other than that <laughs> a lot of the stuff in the movie was just kind of like filler um yeah like the relationship between uh hot dwarf and freckles from lost right. uh was just uh, just did not care at all yeah, and didn't care about that in the first two movies either. But um, yeah, that's just just it just drugged the movies on so so needlessly. Mm-hmm. Agree um, fully. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it was fun. I laughed my ass off so hard when Billy Connolly showed up on a pig <laughs> as a dwarf. That was he just has such a unique voice. I was like, is that Billy Connolly? But it's uh, just his voice. 
I think right? it's, because it's some awful facial CGI. Thank you. I brought awful, this up. Awful, awful, and, awful. Yeah. Oh, like it was. It was like Uncanny Valley territory for me. Like it was. It, it was. It looks similar to Birdman, but Birdman I could forgive it because that was. Uh, that I was an independent. It's not a big budget Peter Jackson movie. Right. It was. My God. It. Like that. That took me out of the movie, and it's only like it's only like they they. <sighs> Like they they cut to him several times throughout the, the, his big speech and all that stuff, but I mean each time I was like, really? Like that's that's really like you don't want to take another pass at that? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like and that was. Do you mind if I go ahead with my thoughts? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I mean that that was one of the big parts about it for me is just really bad CGI, and and that was kind of like most of the movie is the battle is, is the titular battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like tiny said, it, it looked really cool. Like the choreography, like, like goddamn Peter Jackson can choreograph or can shoot a very well choreographed action sequence. Mm-hmm. And he can do that throughout probably an hour and 15 minutes of, of runtime that was used up for that, for that, for the battle of the five armies. If I'm, I'm just guesstimating there, but I, I want to go back and talk about the prologue real quick. Uh, like, and and again, I reviewed it uh, uh, on Obsessive Viewer, so you can check out my full review on ObsessiveViewer.com and in the show notes. But the prologue is basically the resolution of the Smog storyline. And like Mike said, it's about 20 minutes long. And after that, they show the show the title card for the Battle of the Five Armies. And as soon as I saw that title card, I was like, okay, why couldn't that be the end of Desolation of Smog? Like, mm-hmm. why couldn't that have been the end? And then, I mean, it's like 20 minutes. It, each movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours, two, and a, two hours and 40 minutes or anything. So why not just, just make that the end of that instead of having this cliffhanger that that's resolved and then moved on to a different thing? And um I really wish – I really hope somebody admits that splitting him into three was not a great idea. I think that's the biggest problem of it. Is Terrible that, idea. Because it was – Well, no, it's not because they made money all three times. But uh, uh, stylistically, yeah, very yeah. poor choice. From – in terms of overall quality, I think that's the biggest issue. And, and it, you can really feel how they're stretching. Like um, like, uh, like the dwarf and elf love interest thing with, with Evangeline Lilly and, and the other guy, Aiden – Turner, he like that was added in the second movie, and that that it feels like it was put into the movie specifically to stretch it out into three movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like in in like like Tiny said, I couldn't care less about about it. And what's what's more aggravating about it is that they put they included um, Legolas in into it, and yeah. Legolas is a character that we are emotionally connected to from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he's just this bit player in this this really hackneyed love story between uh, it, that no one really It's a very knew. strange it, like extended cameo. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he yeah, and it's and like his action scenes in in the movie was was pretty cool like but again the bad CGI like him not to give anything away but there's a part where he's he's running um as a makeshift bridge is is collapsing under his feet and just the combination of the slow motion and and just the CGI, it just looks awful. Like it looks just absolutely horrendous to me. Um, but but the movie really held my attention. Uh, but uh, oh, <laughs> and okay, two uh, two other things. One that didn't that didn't fit well with me or sit well with me and didn't fit into the movie was um, the comic relief of uh, the the character Alfred, um, played by something Gage, Paul Gage. Um, <clears throat> 
that just felt like every single scene that he was in was supposed to be comic relief. And that that's fine, but it's also like anytime he's on screen, it's just like that's his sole purpose for being in the movie. And that just really didn't sit well with me, juxtaposed with all the fighting and mm-hmm. intense action. And then also uh, the stuff with um, – what's his name? Um, Thorin. Thorin Oakenshield. Like the kind yeah. of the, the – um, the Aragorn of, of the Hobbit <laughs> um, is that like this, there's a whole there's a, for the first half of the movie. He's he's, you know, he's he's like corrupted by the power of the gold and he has like dragon sickness or whatever. And it's it just felt like, OK, they're just filling this out. They're trying to just <laughs> make it compelling for an hour and then and then they'll go ahead and do their thing. And that didn't that bugged me a lot. I thought that was actually sort of compelling. Really? Yeah. Okay. A little bit. I mean, it, it, I was interested in it. I like the way that it kind of played into the plot. Okay. Not to, I don't want to spoil it, but right, right. Yeah. Um, to me, it was compelling. I thought it was a little. I mean, I don't know how the dragon sickness works, but it just seemed very right. quick. Yeah, yeah. Because in in it is. It's been a year since I saw Desolation of Smog, so I I can't really remember. Maybe maybe it was or it should have been set up in in the in the second movie mm-hmm. but it just felt like oh, okay he saw the door and now he's going he's going into it. and then suddenly for, or well suddenly bilbo is like oh yeah he's been in there for 4 days and you know he's going to not acting like himself that's true yeah it just it struck me as just wrong um that's funny that's where they shave time yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, but finally, just there was such a lazy attempt to connect it to Lord of the Rings. Also, yeah, I mean, there's the quick, yeah, the quick ten minutes with Sauron and Saruman. Yeah, and 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 I mean, like, tonal, tonally, the Hobbit from everything that I've heard, I've never, I've never read the Hobbit, but it's very evident in in the movies that the Hobbit isn't really the same tonally as lord of the rings lord of the rings is epic fight for you know the world basically it's good it's classic good versus good evil, versus evil. Well, and yeah. the hobbit isn't that it's an adventure the yeah. hobbit's an adventure fairy tale exactly yeah. and 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 it felt just like i mean i didn't feel it in the first two parts um because it kind of felt like they like they were they were building towards something maybe like mm-hmm. there's a whole sequence in in an unexpected journey the first movie that they they talk i think it's when they're talking at uh rivendell and and they're basically explaining like it's if like that was the one moment where uh like i know mike i know you like to make this joke but that's the moment where i felt like okay this feels like the prequel trilogy to lord of the rings uh-huh. um and and i was okay with it i was okay with that but then they didn't pay it off they didn't connect it to lord of the rings enough they just they just had like this kind of throwaway scene and a really lame throwaway Throwaway line involving Legolas and uh, yeah. and his his buddy. Uh, I don't know if that was his dad. His or, dad. Or, his dad. Yeah. yeah. Like there was there was a throwaway line like, oh hey, you know, this is what's in your future, buddy. Yeah. I was just. Like, I felt I felt like <laughs> I felt like a noob for one of the first times in my entire life. <laughs> How so? I'm a, I am a fanboy through and through, by all means. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I I have a. I have a vast swath of of interests, and I care deeply about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord of the Rings clearly is not one of them, and it is the type of thing that people who love it really love it. So when they did that little nod to to the future mm-hmm. or whatever, literally the entire crowd went, oh. oh. And I turned to Jake and said, what is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, really? Yeah, I have huh. no idea. Really, I couldn't give a 
less wow. about the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Interesting. And I've tried. In fact, I'm actually going over to uh, my friend Jake's house tomorrow, uh, and we're going to watch Fellowship together. Oh, that's cool. The extended editions yeah. on Blu-ray? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. I Like, I, I, I put in my review, too. I, I mean, I've seen five of the five of the middle earth movies in the theater and i double dipped uh with lord of the rings extended editions when they came out on blu-ray so and i mean i'm i'm not a massive fan of it i'm not a huge a huge fan of it really the reason that i double dipped is that a the movies look spectacular Mm -hmm. and b the extended editions they have just the most thorough some of the most thorough special features of they're anything. amazing it's insane like i remember tiny i remember you like years and years ago on dvd when they were on dvd i remember you telling me that you spent like a weekend or something just watching everything oh it's been like a week a week it's like <laughs> it's like 40 hours right yeah too much too much too much and all all of it's very interesting <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah. Like the 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 way that they have it segmented for all the special features going from script to screen, it's just mm-hmm. ah, it's it's I love that kind of content. Yeah. But um, like but but by this movie, I was just completely unaffected. I didn't. And the thing the thing about like Thor and Oakenshield, like his whole dragon sickness thing, is that I followed him through two movies, and this is the third one, and I couldn't really care any less about him or or any of the dwarfs really Mm. um it just felt like just disjointed and and really not phoned in but just really scramble scrambled um it just it didn't didn't sit well with me having said that when they come out with the inevitable complete box set with all the extended editions on blu-ray maybe i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll buy it but yeah i might we'll Um, see yeah yeah I definitely, absolutely won't. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. And I love Martin Freeman. Oh God, he's so awesome. He's just yeah, perfect he is for mm-hmm. absolutely the best part. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Not enough of him either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked uh, a couple, one or two of the dwarves as well. Um, uh, I don't know the yeah their their name. That that was another thing. Is like yeah. I can name you the original Fellowship. I can oh yeah tell you all their names. Uh, but these guys know, and that's funny because, like, in in my head, I'm just kind of chalking that up with like th- I think I think there's 14 characters in that yeah. in that that's that grouping, including Bilbo and Thorin and all that. Yeah. Um, but I mean the Fellowship. I mean, there's I'm not going to count all of them, but there's there's almost the same amount. Mm-hmm. There's twelve. Um, there's twelve. Yeah, it, yeah. It's there twelve. It's the same as yeah. So yeah, it, it's just and they they're all clearly defined. Um, yeah, I think you know they had they had the advantage of uh, they kind of broke off into groups. Uh, they get separated in the first movie mm-hmm. uh, in Lord of the Rings. Right. They break off into groups, so you kind of have to focus on all the characters individually. Right. For that, but still, it doesn't doesn't really matter. It just didn't connect to it. Right. Right. Way, so. Yeah, like I said, I reviewed it on Obsessive Viewer. Check it out. Um, cool. Anything else about The Hobbit? Nope. No? All right. Uh, Tiny, is it your go? I no. don't know. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was a, I saw an article on, I think it was probably BuzzFeed or something like that, but it was like, uh, it was like 10 of the best movies on Netflix that you've never heard of and haven't, don't have on your queue or something like that. Okay. So anytime I see something like that, I'm going to look at it regardless of what the source is just right. because, um, and one of the movies that was listed on there was this film called Detachment. Huh. Um, it's I had never heard of it. Um, 
didn't know anything about it. Um, but Mike, I think you might be interested in it um, as as a teacher, as an educator. Okay. Um, the movie is about uh, Adrian Brody is the star, and he plays a substitute teacher, kind of a long term substitute teacher, which is sort of an oxymoron. But right. Um, yeah. He. It happens. I did it. I did it twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he uh, he specializes in uh, inner city schools and very like rundown, not good schools where they're more like uh, it's more like babysitting than it is educating, I guess. Um, and so as a result of that, he's become a very, very bitter and, and sort of uh, a detached person, basically. Um, and it's it's sort of about his his journey through what that's like to be that kind of teacher and they kind of they kind of focus in on some of the other teachers that work there who are you know they're just they're just phoning it in and they're just their entire lives are affected by how hard it is to do this job um and that also focuses on some students as well who are you know having a rough go um it's just i, I don't want to give too much away about it um it's not a very long movie um but it's man it's just really interesting they they kind of have these like uh these interviews like sort of mockumentary style interviews with with these teachers uh one of whom is adrian brody okay um and just they did they just talk about the ups and downs of being a teacher and and uh it's a it's a very dark it's a very dark somber movie it's hard to be such a downer this episode but (laughs) um it's 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 just fascinating to me um i wanted to be a teacher for a long time and right wow yeah after a while i realized that i would be a terrible teacher um, I so think you'd be pretty good at it. Uh, I'm too late. I think you would be too, Tiny. <laughs> I'm too laid back. I'd like to do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, too busy. I'm I'm too eager to seek approval. So, <laughs> like, oh, you guys want to use your cell phones? Go go ahead, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> you guys want to cheat? Oh, that's a clever way to <laughs> cheat, buddy. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. But you know, tisk tisk. You got me. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I I'm fascinated by. I think I, I respect the hell out of teachers because I just I can't imagine trying to do it myself. So mm-hmm. um, it, that, that's why I was interested in it. It's, it's really good. You should check it out. It's called Detachment? Detachment. Nice. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yep. Um, it's back on me, I suppose. Yes, sir. Um, real briefly, I'll, I'll talk about this one. It's uh, called The Babadook. Babadook? Babadook? Um, <laughs> it's, you, you got in my head, Mike. <laughs> It's all good. Um, <laughs> before off air, we discussed the pronunciation of it. Um, anyway, so the Babadook. It's an Australian horror movie. It's uh, about a monster. It's it's about a, a widowed single mother who is uh, raising her six year old son, um, and in a the monster of a children's book comes to life, basically, um, and it's it's. I, like it's getting a lot of buzz and man, is it deserving of it? It's, it's so good. Like I talked about it on my episode of the nerds you're looking for podcast that I, I did. Um, but my God, it's such like in terms of scares, it's not like that, like scary. It's more unnerving to me. Like some of the, some of the techniques and some of the, some of the scares were actually pretty effective, but it took a backseat to me. Um, because it's such a heart wrenching depiction of grief and, uh, and, and it's kind of, a a really, a really strong, the, the narrative is really sh- built around, um, 
the despair of being a single parent and uh, the loneliness and isolation that the main character faces in that in that. Mm. Like she she can't have like a moment to herself or anything like that. She's completely alone. Um she doesn't have like a strong support system. Um and, and the support system she does have is kind of alienated by her son being kind of unruly and it, it kind of takes in the first like half of the movie it kind of takes the uh the stance of like kind of a creepy kid kind of movie but it's more it's it's more about the despair of of her her plight basically and her trying her her being the sole adult in 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 this ordeal because he like they read the they read the children's book and then he starts seeing starts seeing the babadook and and and, and gets like really frazzled and, and gets terrified of it but she can't see it and so it it takes the it takes the position of being like she's she's alone here she's she can't control her kid her kid's unruly her kid is terrified and she can't see it as as being anything um she's completely helpless in it and and it it kind of all leads to like the the end of the movie i'm, I'm not going to give anything away which by the way the kid that plays the plays the kid is just terrific in it um and it's like that this movie is the ultimate form of birth control for me <laughs> but because i can't imagine having a kid but um uh but uh, by the end of the movie it's like they kind of get it kind of gets into some some kind of almost common tropes of of certain horror horrors uh subgenres but what what kind of compelled me about it and what really kind of uh, was effective for me for it was like right when the right right when the action and the horror is starting to ramp up like I just had this like sudden feeling of like my god I don't want these care I want these characters to be okay like I like I want everyone to just come out of this clean and be okay and then there's a point where it's it's like it's like you're not sure if that's what's gonna happen and it's it's kind of it's really unnerving in that and very terrifying and i won't give away what happens or if anything or if if whatever or or whatever but it's it's really effective like i was i was really ple- pleasantly surprised by it and very pleased with it um so yeah that's the baba duck nice would you say it's is it more horror or is it more Drama, family drama. Oh, it's definitely, definitely horror. Okay, uh, horror, thriller, supernatural thriller. Um, okay. but the narrative structure of it is more uh, grief-stricken drama kind of stuff. I see. Uh, that's more of the subtext that I really latched onto and kind of, uh, kind of built it up throughout it. Um, huh. in, in its depiction of of like kind of dealing with grief and and that kind of isolation kind of thing in in that it kind of reminded me of the movie the descent which is one of my favorites yeah of uh one of my shocktober staples um hmm. yeah mike have you heard anything about the babadook or seen it i actually plan to watch it in about an hour and a half oh nice yeah yeah i've been very excited about it and uh to be fully honest with you i kind of tuned you out for the last 10 minutes <laughs> or so I'm, I'm actually super super excited for nice it. okay cool yeah. yeah i was gonna ask if i if i i because i don't i didn't spoil anything i don't think um yeah Couldn't tell you nice very nice yeah. um sweet so yeah super yeah? excited cool um i think you'll like it. i'm looking forward to hearing what you think of it um uh, who's next, Mike? You 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 want to go next? Yeah. Okay. Um. I'll. <laughs> I got an interesting idea for a way to take my turn. Um, okay. In a couple of weeks, we'll do our 
2014 year in review episode, right? Well, we'll oh, probably yeah. do our, our top movies of the year and our mm. worst movies of the year and such, right? Right. Mm. Uh, and so I kind of think it'd be fun, clever, weird. If you got, if like people got to see the wizard behind the curtain, you know what I mean? They got to see the process of how I do this. Okay. Uh, and I want to see if you guys can help me out here. I'm trying to pick, uh, I, I've got 11 right now. Uh, and I have kind of a, an honorable mention as well. So help me help me try to figure out a couple of my bottom ones. You can, maybe you guys can argue uh, one way or the other. Okay. Okay. So an honorable mention. I think it's going to stay honorable mention is Edge of Tomorrow. <clears throat> um, it would totally make the list uh, except for that ending. Yeah. Yeah. I I planned on revisiting it because I like. In, in the episode where we discussed I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. I don't think it'll make my top ten. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then the the two that I'm debating are Grand Budapest Hotel and Neighbors. Oh. Ooh. Wow. This is for for your top ten. Yeah, of the okay. year. Yep. Huh. I haven't seen Grand Budapest, so. Me neither. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. Okay. But I have seen Neighbors twice. Would na- yeah, so have I. Would neighbors make your list? Um, you know, it's funny because I actually just reevaluated my list, so I actually have like it, <laughs> it's. I have a list, and I have I. I don't remember where it is on my list, but um, off the top of my head, I mean, you know, it didn't really hold up that well to a second viewing. Yeah, it didn't. It really didn't. Yeah. Um, okay. A lot of the laughs were surprises. Yeah. 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 Keep it down. Okay. <laughs> but no, but uh, so I don't. I don't think it would crack my top ten. Okay. Me either. There's also a few that I haven't that I'm that I'm really looking forward to watching that I haven't yet. Uh Selma, Boyhood, and Whiplash. I'm looking forward to all three of those too. Nice. Yeah. Which yeah. are important ones that I need to see. Mm-hmm. So there's that. <laughs> oh, and Theory of Everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see it too. We almost saw it instead of uh The Hobbit, but Ah. I, I mean, got some work to do in the next ten days. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. I I'm planning on seeing a movie tomorrow. I don't know what. I don't know what though. Hmm. All right. So no help from you guys, but uh, <laughs> yeah, not much. Uh, uh, but you see my you see my thought process. Yeah. Find out in a couple of weeks what Mike right. decided. <laughs> I haven't I haven't taken a crack at my list yet for the top ten of the year. I, I mean, I, there are some that I know are going to be on it. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't started positioning things or anything. Okay. Let's talk about the process really quickly. Um. Cause like what I like I because I've been working I've been working Saturdays the last couple of weeks and I, there's not much to do at work on on Saturday so I took my laptop last week or yesterday at the time of the recording and I basically just sat and and really redid my my movies watched files because like I and I'm really ridiculous with it because I have just multiple word yes files. you are yeah multiple word files for different things like like the chronological list that's my that's like the home that's like the main list. Um, <laughs> And then I have each movie separated by year, and then I have a list for first viewings. I have a list for um, I have a list for first viewings ranked, but I'm dropping that completely because it's really I'm not good at ranking things, and I'm not good at ranking things in in bulk like hundreds of things. Um, so it's like so it's like basically saying like Let's okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's basically like saying like okay, well, what's better? Um, uh, uh. 
like for sake of argument, this isn't on the list or anything because I've I've seen it like before. But say like I see a movie like Schindler's List for the first time, like where does that rank with like a 2014 movie like that I really liked, like uh, like the Skeleton Twins that I'll talk about later. Um, it's just it's, it seems just kind of like lost in the shuffle a lot. So so I have a dedicated word file for um, 2014 movies, like movies that came out in 2014. So I have like that in a list and that ranked. So my top ten list and bob- bottom ten list is kind of static there. Um, and then I also added to that list, I ha- added a list of movies from 2014 that I want to see. And then what I'm going to do is next year I'm going to copy that file, the tw- 2014 list, into a new Word document in my 2015 folder. And I'm going to have a uh, – and this is really boring everyone, I'm sure. Uh, but I'm going to have a, sec- a separate list for like 2014 ranked – adjusted like the 2014 movies mm. that i that i catch up on in 2015 um, oh I think, that's nice yeah and i think I'll, I'll just have that as like a one a one year offset kind of thing so like in 2016 i'm not like if i watch a movie from 2014 in 2016 i'm not going to add it to the list it'll just be like a one year kind of pattern or like a uh thing hmm i ran into a similar problem when i saw uh silver linings playbook in right. january yeah, and that and that's kind of the that's kind of a common problem with us because we we live in Indiana. Like Mike, you're in Evansville. We're in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I mean, like Keystone Art's really good about getting limited release movies and stuff. But they'll have um, them for a week. Yeah, exactly. Or two. Oh yeah, yeah. and uh, and a lot of times it's a lot of times movies are released like just in in New York and L.A. for like Christmas week or or like the week of of. Uh, like like Christmas Day for like a week just to get for awards consideration. Right, right. So and then they'll get the they'll get the wide release where we'll get it in all the theaters in January. Like that's the yeah. same with uh, Nebraska last year. This year, I watched Nebraska in February and I loved mm-hmm. it. And it was the top one of the top movies. Nebraska and Twelve Years a Slave were like are like on the top of my first viewings ranked list. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's I don't know. Yeah. So that's a look behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tiny, you just you just have just the chronological list, right? Yes. Have, okay. Yeah, that's all I have right now. Oh, that'll be interesting. That'll be I'm, a lot of work to compile. I'm, I'm not going to do much. I don't get into all the crazy stats like you do. Uh you you don't live well, yet. yet. Well, no, I have <laughs> I have my top top viewing of okay. the month, and I have my least right. favorite of the month, and okay. biggest surprise, best newcomer right. for each. I have that stuff for each month. Yeah, I still have that too. Yeah. Um. Which last month it was kind of a struggle because like I watched, I think I only watched like four. Well, we'll get into that with the twenty fourteen in review episode. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how you do the twenty fourteen movies though, because they're all in a mix on on your chronological list. I'm excited. It's one of my yeah. favorite episodes yeah. of the year. Me too. I I actually re listened to our twenty thirteen one in preparation. Nice. Um, and I'm trying, listeners. I'm trying to get the guys to agree to do a midway through the 2010s episode. Yeah, we'll see yeah. about that. That'll be yeah. We'll 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 discuss it off air. It could be a short. Right, right. Anyway, okay. anyway. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> well, are we? Mid- we're not midway through the 2010s yet. Next year, we will be. The oh, end. Of- we will be on December 31st. End of next year, will be. No, because it uh, it uh, goes 2000. from 2010 to 19. Yeah, and this is it'll be five years in. Yeah, he's right. Okay. Yeah. 
So 2010 is considered the first year of the 2010s. That makes sense. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. You're really tired. <laughs> I am tired. So anyway, um, <laughs> what do you got? What, uh, what do you got next, Tiny? Um, uh, I don't. I think Matt's seen this. It's another movie I watched. I don't have anything about stuff coming up. I'm I'm boring right. today. Uh, the movie called The One I Love. Yeah, that's on my list too. I was gonna bring it up. Go yeah, ahead. I wasn't sure if you wa- have you seen that, Mike? No, I haven't. Okay, it's on uh, it's on Netflix Instant, mm-hmm. and it stars Mark Duplass. I think the Duplass brothers produced it. They did, yeah. But they didn't write or direct it. No. So, um, it but it sort of has a Duplass brothers feel to it. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's cool. You. Okay. No. Okay. Did you not like it? <laughs> no, I liked it a lot actually. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. It was um it's just kind of this interesting movie about this this married couple who's kind of in peril. They're sort of struggling to get through their marriage and you know, they're they're just fighting a lot, I guess. Um and they're going to counseling, uh marriage counseling and their counselor sends them to this um this getaway basically at a, a sort of a country home for a weekend to just kind of spend time together. Uh, it just kind of goes from there, and yeah. they, things happen. Yeah, um, it's really hard to talk about this movie. <laughs> it really is. I mean, all I'll say is that it's it's similar to, um, what's the time travel movie that he was in? What's that called? Looking oh, for um, safety not guaranteed. Safety not guaranteed. Safety not guaranteed. Uh, it's sim- I could see that. It's similar to that, and that there is a sci-fi aspect to mm. it, uh, like a legitimate sci-fi aspect to it. Right. Um. Yeah, it's which is kind of a strange thing. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that at all, mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, I am hooked. Tell me what's happening. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a really interesting movie, and and I liked liked the performances a lot. Mm-hmm. It was a difficult difficult performances. Oh yeah, for for both of the main actors, uh, played by oh, Mark yeah. Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, um, she was great in it. She was terrific. They were both great. Yeah. Um, like in my notes, I have it that they're, they're great sparring partners in in terms of <laughs> acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I I, I want to share my thoughts on it. Real Please. Quick. Um, I I really really liked it. Um, and I felt like it, the the certain sci-fi elements to it. Not to say too much, but it it really enhanced what the movie was going for. Which uh, I felt like the movie was just a really unique study of relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it. it 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 really enhanced it. Like it wasn't like used in a gimmicky kind of way. It was like, it was integral to the story and it really fit incredibly well to the story that they were telling. Um, I felt like the movie kind of lost its footing a little bit toward the end. Uh, but the, but by the end of it, it kind of, I won't say that that's too spoilery, but, um, <laughs> the movie really leaves you with a lot to think about. And, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a very contemplative movie about, about the characters and about like their statements about relationships and, and, you know, what changing who you are to fit the needs of your partner. Uh, that's a big theme of the movie and compromise uh, and stuff. Compromise and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's that kind of, it's a really, really interesting movie in that regard. And it's, and it's both about that and about people's like, like people's willing willingness to change for for the sake of their partners and stuff, and I right. thought that that was just really well depicted. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of it, it presents these scenarios that essentially forces the audience member to say, "How would I react in this situation?" Right, which is that that's a really valuable thing to a really valuable skill to have as a filmmaker and a, right. it's that's that's an incredible thing to do with a movie because it's it's hard to do and a lot of movies don't don't 
you know, challenge their audience that way. Right. Um, and, you know, it's you can sit there and watch and be like, man, what, what would I do in this situation? Yeah. And even if you think, oh, I can't believe he, I, he just did that. I can't believe he did that. That's, right. that's terrible that he would do that. Um Normally, that's I think that's how most people would react in, in these kinds of situations. But the, the the situations are sort of presented in the way that like, okay, you might disagree with what this character did, mm-hmm. but can you really blame them for right. acting that way? You know, it's like not everyone is as strong as everyone else. It's, that's yeah, that's exactly right. Like that's yeah. that's it's a very human portrayal. Of, the, yeah, of very human. Their actions. It's so great. Yeah. Um, but I, I really liked it. So yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yep. Uh, Mike, have you heard or seen anything about it? Uh, no, okay. not at all, actually. Okay, it's on Netflix Instant. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> nice. Um, that's actually a really good segue to mine. Uh, to my next one, I believe I'm next. Um, <clears throat> the Skeleton Twins. I referenced it earlier in earlier in the episode. I think. Um, my God, it sounds I this scary. Movie. It's. You know, it's it's not. It, it's uh, it's uh, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader play play siblings, estranged siblings, and like I was so hooked on this movie from the opening the opening voiceover. Um, I might actually cut it in and put it into this episode because it was so <laughs> effective. I don't know. Maybe we were doomed from the beginning. I mean. It's not like Dad was Mr. Sunshine. Sometimes I think all our problems came directly from him. But a lot of the good stuff did, too. Remember what he always called us? The gruesome twosome. He told us to stick together, no matter what. But the movie is about their relationship, their the 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 siblings' relationship. There's there's something that ha- something happens early in the movie that causes um, Bill Hader to move back uh, home to New York uh, with Kristen Wiig, and they're both in different places in their life, or, or they're very unhappy. It's about it's about um, depression between these two estranged siblings and it kind of morphs into this story about codependence and how they're how they're how they're kind of just just right for each other to be a part of each other's lives and um and w- the thing that struck me the most about it that I absolutely loved is the way that it the backstory of the characters and 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 their relationships and their relationships with other people, the way that it unfurls throughout the movie is so um, organic and natural because you kind of get this like they kind of have these kind of throwaway lines between uh, these two characters. It's like, oh yeah, I haven't been here since since dad. Um, and you don't really get what it is. You kind of get a little piece of information about, about something about their dad. And then eventually like they comes to, comes to, it grows from there. It plants a seed. And then another piece of dialogue tells you more about that situation and, and their relationship with their dad and stuff. And then, uh, Bill Hader's relationship with, um, uh, a, a character played by Ty Burrell, who's fantastic in it. Um, it's kind of, they just get, it's, it's so spectacularly wit- written in this way because it's so un- it's so interesting to see how these characters interact and, and everything and it's very compelling and then um 
let's see. And uh, also in a supporting role is Luke Wilson, who mm-hmm. uh, he's really great in it because he he plays Kristen Wiig's uh, husband, and he's he's like kind of a kind of like a kind of dopey, kind of vapid, but like super nice and friendly and like like best husband ever kind of character mm-hmm. um so he's so he's dopey and vapid but he's like incredibly likable and i just it's so so interesting to see that juxtaposed with this very kind of intense story about about depression and and siblings kind of kind of coming to terms with their their need of each other i guess mm-hmm. um and one of the things that i really love about it is kind of, it kind of has this kind of quintessential like um oh like obviously it's two estranged siblings who haven't seen each other in 10 years kind of kind of like mingling again so there's obviously like these kind of rapport building scenes and and montages and stuff of them kind of you know getting more comfortable with each other and what i love about it is that for the most part this movie is a straight drama and having it be bill Hader and Kristen wig they're two obviously very strong comedic actors so seeing their like their like sibling bonding scenes is like on another level from from just a traditional like movie in this in this regard because they're very they're very affable they're very likable they're very they're very um comfortable hmm. uh and it's and it's funny to see it's fun and funny to see them uh get along so well that sounds really um, intriguing bill Hader playing dramatic yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah, and that that's all I'll say about it. I've talked a lot about it. Um uh, but man, it's so good. It's like I'll be I'll probably be talking about it in a couple of weeks in our 2014 episode. Wow. Honestly. And cool. uh yeah. And and to to bring it all back around, the reason why I said it's a good segue is that it was produced by the Duplass brothers. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Uh Yeah, so that's all that's all I got for that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you want to go next? Uh yeah, so this kind of I guess going back to all the the Sony news that we've been talking about, but uh, I, I today I watched Spider Man Two, Amazing Spider Man Two, huh. uh, for the first time at home since I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters okay. twice, uh, and it the more and more I watch it, the less I like it. It it really uh-huh. uh it's really soured in my mind. There's a lot of I think we've talked about it on the on the podcast before, but there's a lot of things that they miss, uh, a lot of liberties taken with the source material that I guess if you if you want to give it that it's that it's uh, Mark Webb's world, he can do whatever he wants. That's fine, I guess. But um, some of it is really is really pretty bad. In particular, uh, I watched the bonus features and there's the the touted um meeting of peter parker and his father as one of the deleted scenes huh Uh, and it's it is just totally out of place and i'm so (laughs) i'm so glad they didn't use it um all this said i'm i'm hoping that all this information we're getting about the possibility that spider-man will be in the marvel universe uh that all of this is 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 moo it's like a cow's opinion and so (laughs) um i'm just i'm just hoping moot of course is what i mean to say right uh, I'm hoping it all goes away, and I'm hoping that the Amazing Spider-Man franchise is just one that we'll we'll forget after a while. Wow, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Seen it again since the theater yet. Um, question: Two things. One about uh, the special features. Do, does it have the footage of Mary Jane? Anywhere? Oh, you know what? I didn't get that far. Oh, okay. Um, and two: Does the- I don't know that she filmed any footage though. 
I, I'm under. I don't know. From what I understand, they filmed it. Like she was on set and they filmed it, but then they scrapped it hmm. to focus more on uh, Gwen Stacy. Well, I know. I mean, I know she was there, and I know, I know it was scrapped. But I, I could have sworn that they, they cut her. They, they let her go before they. She filmed the whole lot. Huh. I, I don't know. If you're listening and you have in, uh, info about that, you I know could us. be wrong. I could be no? wrong. No, that's fine. Um, and also, does the do the scenes between um, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, like kind of the relationship kind of scenes, does that hold up? Because I, re- I really connected to that. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yes, absolutely. It does okay. hold up for sure. Well, that's good. For sure. It's one of the few good things about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, it, <laughs> it's kind of funny because I kind of impulsive, uh, impulsively bought um, the first one on Blu-ray so it's in my collection. I kind of feel like I don't want to buy the second one. Yeah. Um, I don't even yeah. really feel like revisiting it. And I'm like, okay, maybe <laughs> I can give that away at Sharktober Norrington next year or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay. Um, Tiny, you got something? I do. I have one last one. Okay. Um, Shocker, it's a documentary. <laughs> um. Uh, I've been watching a lot of documentaries this year. Um, right. Just uh, it's it's one of my favorite genres of, of movies. Um, I know it's it's kind of it sounds like a little pretentious. Like oh, I watched this documentary. <laughs> right. uh, I swear that's not my motivation at all. It's just that I think it's an incredible way to learn, mm-hmm. um, and I just find it highly interesting. So um, this one is it is actually a Netflix original. Oh. Um, it is called Print the Legend. Uh, oh yeah, you told me about this. Go yeah, ahead. it is. It is. Man, it's so good. It's about um, the the burgeoning three D printer, uh, home three D printer market, if you will. Um, yeah, you may recall from a year or two ago, there was a guy who three D printed a functioning firearm right. from his house. Uh, that was kind of the peak of this. The whole interest in this, um, but it's 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 really interesting. This documentary focuses on these. Basically, these startup companies who are building their own 3D printers, and it's it's kind of cool because it it just reminds me so much of the the whole Silicon Valley explosion and how oh, wow. uh, the whole personal computer explosion of the 80s and 90s. Um, just because it's 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 all about a technology that's been around for 30, 40 plus years. But they just compartmentalize it, make it smaller, and they stick it on your top of your desk. You know, God. it's a desktop three D printer, but right. industrial three D printers have been around for thirty or forty years. Wow! Um, it's just a really, it's so interesting about how it's it's it mixes in this, it mixes in like some business philosophy with, um, I, I don't know, like manufacturing philosophy and and just how these some of these companies want to be Microsoft and some of them would just rather be kind of like Apple and sort of build a brand slowly and right. become the biggest tech company in the world, which Apple is now. <laughs> um, but it's, it's just, it's just really interesting how just the, the different philosophies of, of these different, these different characters, they're not characters, they're real people, but right. just how they want to grow their business and, and, and just how they feel about how they feel about, this industry because there's sort of some some variations in in how it works because like some of these some of the printers can be like 
they can crank out a lot of stuff really quickly, but it's not going to be like super high quality. Right. But there's other ones that can print it out a little bit slower and not quite as industrially. Sure. <laughs> but it's going to be super good, high quality stuff, like on par with what they can make in factories. Um, wow. And it's it, it's just kind of about which one is better. Is there a market for both? Okay. You know, it's like in five years, will there be a market for both or will one just take over? Um, right, and there's just there's just all this, all this, uh, all this philosophy about how they want to take it. It's where they want to take their businesses and, and how it can grow and what it could eventually be. And it's all just so mysterious right now. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it it felt like it felt like looking into the early stages of something that in ten years, you know, it's going to be it's going to be ubiquitous the way computers are now. Wow. And so it's it felt I felt like you know you're kind of getting 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 in at like the ground level mm-hmm. looking at the 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 genesis sort of of this business um which I'm not really a big business guy like you know there's right. some people who who read Wall Street Journal every day and they sure. talk about stocks and whatever I don't know that's not me at all right but the the story of how silicon valley exploded and how there was this revolution in personal computers is really it's just a really great story Wow. It's a really interesting story, and I feel like this sort of has that potential almost. Holy um, crap! It was it's that that's how it's presented, anyways. Huh. Um, I, I'm just I'm so impressed and delighted with Netflix's uh, dedication to the the genre of documentaries because nice. this, this is an original Netflix like they produced Netflix produced it. Wow! And uh, it's it is professional. I mean, it is a damn good documentary. Um, like I, I wish, I hope it can be nominated for an Oscar. I mm-hmm. think I think it's that good. Wow! For, for best documentary, um, so it's really great. Nice. I yeah, I'll have to check that out because it's funny because and I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I should give a quick shout out. Um, three <laughs> D printing. I'm not too familiar with it, but I've gotten kind of. Uh, um, acquainted. acquainted with it because we're like we're recording this me and tiny are in my brother's house um and he is he and his girlfriend uh have adopted a, a two two-legged chihuahua and they've started a business um catering to disabled dogs and getting uh carts 3d 3d printed for them so that they can move around and be mobile uh but yeah and and that's something that's really fascinated me because like i'm i'm interested in like small businesses business things like that like that's something that always kind of struck me as kind of really just fascinating to me yeah um so yeah i'll have to check that out print the legend and then uh also if you're interested in uh (laughs) The dog, um, Turbo Roo, is the is the dog that my my brother and his girlfriend's dog, and also carts are available at TurboRooDesigns dot com. But anyway, yeah, Print the Legend Netflix. I'll have to check that out. It's Mike, very good. Yeah, Mike, what do you think about it? Uh, it sounds interesting. I don't know that it's fully my kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You do watch a lot of documentaries. Some of them sound interesting. I don't know that this yeah. one is yeah. all that all that much for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Definitely. Right. Because yeah. I think yeah. I've I've watched like. 60 or 70 this year documentaries yeah maybe maybe more than that that is insane yeah wow yeah so good for you cool thank you um and that's really interesting like i do like that as like uh in terms of learning stuff i mean because it's something that's like you can have an intriguing concept and an intriguing subject matter and everything but at the end of the day it is you're you're a learning tool also Mm -hmm. um that's really interesting yeah um Bringing it back to me, and we'll, we can kind of wind down a bit. Um, Mike, I feel like you'll have a lot to say about this. Uh, okay. 
I watched Chef last night. Yeah. Um, because like this is the time of year. Like this is we're recording this December twenty first. It's almost the end of the year. This is the time where like it's crunch time with watching stuff. Like I know Tiny's experiencing that because he has his three sixty five, yeah. three hundred sixty five movies in three hundred sixty five days goal. How where are you at in that? By the way, I'm like four behind right oh, now. God. I gotta watch like sixteen movies in ten days or something like Ugh. that. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that is insane. Don't let us down. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so in an effort to kind of come back and and watch all of the stuff, I had it in my head like, oh, I'm gonna make a top ten list and all that stuff. So I want to watch as many t- 2014 movies as I can in these last few days. So I watched Chef and. Uh, Mike, you talked about it in on our Popcorn Potpourri episode, which for our listeners is episode fifty-nine. Um, but what I came I came away from this movie. It's direct, written and directed by John Favreau. It's a very small small personal movie for him. Uh, what I came back from it was uh, it's so damn pleasant. Like, yeah, I liked it so much. It's such a such a nice. Uh, a nice story and and it's funny because and I didn't go into it like looking for anything to critique or anything I was just like kind of let it let me let me experience it and everything but um there's such a clear correlation like like I can't tell if the story because it's about John Favreau plays a plays kind of a a big time chef at a restaurant who um <laughs> he on 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 the cusp of being reviewed, he wants to make this very special dish, this very special meal for the reviewer. But the, the manager of the restaurant tells him, no, you have to make the same stuff. And so he, so he makes the same stuff, gets bad reviews. And it's kind of, uh, all about that and how he's kind of reinventing himself and all that stuff, um, are kind of dealing with the consequences of that. So in depicting that, it feels like a very thinly, thinly veiled analogy, about filmmaking and about being a director and facing <laughs> like uh harsh criticisms as a director um and like it's it's <laughs> it was so so much of that was in the forefront of my mind that like I paused it and I looked cuz I was like cuz I knew that he wrote and directed this movie so I was like is this is this in response to like the Iron Man 2 stuff so like I looked and then <laughs> and then I looked on his on his resume on his IMDb page it said like Iron Man 2 and then and then bef- in between Chef and Iron Man Two is Cowboys and Aliens. I was like, oh sh. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but the 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 analogy of it, if that is what he was going for, I I think he probably talked about that on his Nerdist step, which was one of my favorite Nerdist steps, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the correlation between being a chef and a director, it's like it's so. It fits so well that I mm-hmm. don't care if that's if it's like just this analogy that he that is kind of like a little bit on the nose. Like I don't care because it's because he's so likable. The character, the the there's so much charisma in in the story in the narrative that I don't care if it's a deeper meaning because it's such an engaging story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, and I went into it like assuming that it was a road trip movie. Um, but it's not like, like most of the, most of the stories is kind of him dealing with, with the, uh, the reviews and stuff. And then there's a bit of like kind of road trip kind of in the last 45 minutes. Um, but again, I, it didn't bother me cause it, it, I just found it so, so fun, so charming, so life affirming. Um, and, it, and it's just, it accomplishes what it set out to do. Like it, it told a very, very small, very personal story about him. Uh, dealing with this this 
this really brutal review and also and and I've neglected to even talk about his relationship with the son which is such a key point of the movie and it's so so great in in its depiction of that but um Mike do you want to talk about it talk about that aspect of it uh yeah I guess I can that okay. uh, funny enough is the is the part that I connected with the most it, mm-hmm. and it's and it's the emotional center of the movie of course oh yeah um but yeah you're right it's it's just such a well done would you say delightful uh, pleasant, but delightful pleasant. is a much better word. It is a pleasant movie, mm-hmm. uh, and I was I was so happy for Jean Favreau. Not mm-hmm. not that he needs Jean Favreau like he's Jean- some Italian guy. <laughs> uh, not that not that he needs uh, help, right? Because of Iron Man, but uh, it was it was it was pleasant. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of at a la- loss loss of words for it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll say right now it is on my top ten list. Nice. I I think it's probably on mine too, or it might might just get under the under the uh, under it. But um, yeah, and it's so like I don't know. I mean, like I don't know how else to describe it except like I said, it's life affirming, very pleasant, very 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 good, like that, like like heartfelt and stuff like that. And I mean. Like from my own personal point of view from it, like this is the kind of the kind of movie that I need needed to see at this point, like like of the year of, of in my life or whatever. Because I I mean you know not to get too personal, but I've gotten I've been feeling kind of like kind of you know like seasonal like the seasons changing and it's just kind of like feeling kind of just ugh, like don't really want to I don't know I'm just feeling kind of just crappy, mm. but this movie's just like I'm so charmed by it. I'm so so mm-hmm. so pleased with with. John Favreau. That's the beauty yep. of movies. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. That's the whole idea. And we got Tiny over here talking about skinheads and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned his Nerdist episode. I haven't seen Chef yet, mm-hmm. but that Nerdist episode is a top ten Nerdist episode by oh, easily. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. It's so it's two For hours. Sure. <laughs> it's two hours, but it feels like forty five minutes. Right. Because he's yep. just so passionate, and he just loves that format of long story or long form interviews. Mm-hmm. Man, he's just great. Yeah, we need to get him on here. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, winding now, I'll I'll throw out one last one, then we can wrap up. Um, I watched You've Got Mail. Um, hmm. It's on Netflix. All right, I think it's about to leave at Netflix. So hurry up the last week. I won't. But <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's a charming rom com. I actually watched it in preparation for listening to uh, an episode of Kate's Take. Um, oh yeah, podcast. Uh, we actually met her at uh, Starbase Indie. Yeah. Um, I believe you can actually hear her on our panel. Like, like yeah, towards the end. Toward the end, not the not the lady that interrupted us, but the other the other female voice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but in that episode, it was really good too of, of her podcast because she talks about uh having some cool stories about working at Suncoast video. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I said, I'm kind of attached to this whole, like kind of small business kind of like mm-hmm. entrepreneurial spirit of, of anything really. So I, I kind of attach myself to that. And I think it kind of goes back to, honestly, it goes back to my childhood when my family would watch wings and like, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, Oh my God, these brothers are just running this airline for themselves. And that's, <laughs> that's like, I loved that. And yeah. it kind of carried with me throughout all this. But um, Tom Hanks is amazing, uh, and you've got Mel, and, uh, and really everything he does, um, he's so he's so charming and so, like in in you've got Mel, he's he's kind of an ass, like he's kind of a dick, um, <laughs> and he's kind of cutthroat, but he's he's also Tom Hanks, so so you kind of it's it's 
it's a very fine line between him being likable and a monster because he's out to destroy this woman's business, this small business. Mm. Um, and it's just really, but he toes that line so well because he's Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, so you still root for him, but, um, but it, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll leave off saying this, that it, it says a surprising amount about small business versus big corporations and stuff like that. And it's stuff that kind of resonates today, especially mm-hmm. with, I mean, when's the last time, well, like I just had a conversation with a friend of mine today about, uh, bookstores and, and big chain bookstores. Like I went to books a million and that's like the last like kind of big chain bookstore in the area besides like one borders and one Barnes and Noble yeah. where they used to be all over the place. Right. So. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've never seen You Got Mail, who cares? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just not interested in it, really. Sure. sure. But uh, Kate's Take podcast, um, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. I, I've only listened to the first the first episode. Right. Is that uh, the one with the uh, Where Dreams May Come? Or what Dreams, what may, dreams come? may Come? Yeah. yeah um, and the reason I haven't listened to any more is because at the time, the only, one, the only other one she had was Who's Coming to Dinner, and I have never seen that movie. Right. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yeah. Um, Guess what's about to go off of Netflix. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to squeeze it in. Uh, but anyways, I really loved her insight. And, and just that's such a great idea for a podcast. Yeah. And she hits the mark oh, yeah. really well. For our listeners, it's a monthly podcast where she basically tells uh, – she takes a movie and she talks about how it affected her life and, and how it resonates with her life and stuff. Right, right. So it's really it's really interesting. Yeah, and I loved how she talked about how she, she misses that video stores don't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean like – like you can go to Best Buy and browse the DVDs, but not like like the best example example was Suncoast Video. It's a, it's a oh, yeah. dedicated video, you know, home movie store. Right. Um, and they would just have. I remember there used to be one in a mall here on the west side. Yes. Um, and I would go in there, <laughs> and you could just spend an hour and a half, and you would want to drop like two hundred dollars. Yeah. You would have to. You. It, it'd be like. It's 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 that classic scenario of deciding what you want to get. You'd mm-hmm. have like ten things in your hands and be like, I got to put like five of these back. Right. Um. And I miss that. Me too. It's yeah. It's now it's shopping carts on Amazon. Right. You just you scroll with your thumb yeah. on your phone on Amazon, which there's there's an aesthetic to that too, but it's just not the same yeah. feeling. That's Maybe like, for you guys, I still go to uh, <laughs> the movie stores around here, and you still have some. Do that all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, video game rentals, or okay. not video game rental, uh, video rental stores. We have a family video, wow. uh, oh, and wow. I and I always get moved or moved. I don't know why I'm. I get used uh, DVDs. Okay, huh. interesting. Uh, like we have some disc replays and stuff like that, but and yeah. some family videos. But I haven't been in a family video in a while. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Kate's take uh, on uh, on the uh, the you've got mail episode. She talks about. Uh, she d- goes in depth about Suncoast and how uh, their catalog was was bought by Best Buy. It, it's really, really interesting. Yeah, you listen to it, Tiny. It's okay. really good. Nice. But funny, funny side side note about Suncoast videos. I uh, so so many of the uh, Akira Kurosawa movies that are in my collection came from Suncoast Video because I would go, <laughs> I'd save up like my lunch money for the week or something, <laughs> and go to Suncoast Video and then buy like a really. Uh, <laughs> expensive criterion collection edition of a japanese movie from the 50s because <laughs> i wanted to be intellectual read my oh, decade reviews <laughs> that's so funny snobby teenage matt yeah i distinctly remember buying rashomon there that's funny um yeah yeah cool yeah um yeah that's pretty much all we got i guess uh yeah. any last any last words guys <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we've said plenty. Yeah. Awesome. Agreed. Well, I'm going to throw it to our uh, pre-recorded outros. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, make sure you check out the site and uh, the show notes for links links to stuff that we talked about. Um, All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. That, too. (laughs) Happy New Year. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have a uh, bonus episode dedicated to Friends, the the TV show Friends, me and Mike are going to record. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come out a week after this one. Uh, Yeah. And happy holidays, guys. Be safe and be jolly. Yes. You know, drink a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. No, but all right. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. Thanks for listening. For pure uh, S's and G's, I decided to listen to one of our episodes at half speed, and it was hilarious. <laughs> like which episode? Um, it was uh O O V sixty six. Uh, it was another extended potpourri actually. Who, me? No, what? Nothing, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Whatever. Your middle name is Lawrence. Wow. Yeah. It is Lawrence. I was so embarrassed by that for a long time. Really? Yeah, it's, huh. it's like an old man's name. And I tried. I tried to keep a secret for a long time. In uh, in like eighth grade, mm. it came out, and I, <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. And I don't know why. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Huh. It's a common. Yeah, name. it's a good one. I almost yeah. called you Michael Lawrence in the pod chat just for Michael Lawrence. S's and G's. Um but I didn't Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, how that's how I know I'm not the guy who uh wrote and directed School of Rock. I'm not that Mike White. Ah, Mike White. He was also. I'm all. I'm also not Spawn from the Spawn movie or Black Dynamite from Black Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you're not black. (laughs) Well, for the most part, yeah. You are pretty dynamite, though. Oh. I'm so sorry. Okay, guys. So Dynamite. (laughs) Dynamite. So this is a potpourri episode. (laughs) Um, We're uh, basically... As always, loyal listeners, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And thank you, of course, to Loud Like for providing our awesome opening theme music. Their first EP, uh, their first of a few actually coming out in the next few months. Check them out. Uh, anyway, it's called Mistakes We Must Make and features our theme song and a clips of events. 
Um, make sure that you rate and review us on iTunes after you listen to this episode. It helps us out a lot, uh, and it gives us the ability to say, hey, people like us. Also, please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer, and you can follow each of us on Twitter. You can find Matt at Obsessive Viewer, Tiny is Obsessive Tiny, and me, Mike, I'm at I am Mike White on Twitter. You can also check out the blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where all three of us, but mostly Matt, review movies and TV shows and uh, talk about all kinds of things. It's kind of the, the written form of this podcast. Um, you can also check out Obsessive Book Nerd, which has book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also check out Tiny's The Secular Perspective, which is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. Um, if you have any thoughts on the podcast in general or this particular podcast you just listened to, or even suggestions for future podcasts, please, please email us individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com, or you can just email the podcast directly as a whole kind of directed to all three of us at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com again thank you so much for listening we love you be excellent to each other